Hello, everybody. I'm Clay Breeze, and it's showtime here again in Berks County for our show, The Watchman. Folks, we are here every Saturday afternoon at 1 p.m. right here on AM Radio 1180 WFYL. We've been doing this for five years, folks, because you've been tuning into our show because you understand that we call out we call out people when they when they leave the land of reality and enter the land of phony, fake behavior. And uh, basically, folks, we're here to call out. We're the guidepost of truth, and we're calling it out as the watchman's supposed to do. So thanks for being with us today as I jump right into the show. I want to get a little bit into what happened earlier this week. We had a, uh, a teenager that thought carjacking someone that was well, an older lady, a grandma, would be easy until they left the scene in an ambulance. I thought that was interesting. Okay, so uh, basically, there were there for the so far through this year, there was eighty-seven carjackings in in Washington D.C. Eighty-seven carjackings from January first through well through yesterday. Okay, and uh, that was according to the Washington D.C. Metropolitan Police Department. But one book would be carjacker. Uh, he did get a whole lot more than he thought he was going to get. Okay, when he tried to try to jump into a car here, um, a woman known to her neighbors in Southeast Washington's grandma was driving to a chemotherapy appointment. That's right, she was she's she's undergoing cancer treatment, so she's driving to a chemotherapy appointment when she was confronted by this by this teenage punk who demanded that she give him her keys and said he has a gun. So according to this woman's recounting of the incident, okay, she said, baby, you better you better shoot me because you're not taking my car. And he pushed he pushed her to the door and got up and grabbed him. I should say, yeah, he you know, basically and you know, he got and then he she got she grabbed him and she was hitting him, okay? And hitting him and she was fighting him and she said, You're not gonna take my car. You're not gonna take my car. So she fought back, called for help. And I guess her neighbors come running to help her and catch the carjackers. And uh, she says, oh, you're going to go to jail today, and you're definitely going to go to jail. Yes, you are, she said. So basically, the cops came in. They took him off. And uh, she had a little bit more than a scarf where the teenager uh, basically took her keys. But, you know, he's he's going to jail, okay? And, you know, it's, 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 really, it's really interesting. Now, what kind of people... Would would basically try to go after a woman who an old woman who owns a car when, when that's all she's got. You know, th th it's interesting. Okay, we try to understand people. We try to understand people, but understand that it's it's the evil world we live in that brings the worst out of people. It is, and and I want us to think a little bit about some of the people that we deal with every day and we we work with every day. We try to understand these people. We don't need to try to understand a criminal because a criminal is breaking the law, and that's just one thing. We're just there's no need to understand that. But when you're looking and you're working with people, they got characteristics in them that you don't like. We know that. All of us have characteristics in ourselves that we don't like, but we 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 overlook those characteristics as we do in ourselves, so we can see the person as God's natural creation. Okay, we try to we try to understand people we work with and people that are our friends and whatnot. So we can have interactions and work with people. That's what we've tried to do. Okay. And again, because all of us have characteristics that make us unlikable at times. But we want to look past those characteristics and try to correlate and work with the good characteristics. Okay. 
Okay, so our good temperament and demeanor is, is God's gift. It's God's gift to us. When we're easygoing and we've got good temperament, it's God's gift to us, not our gift to God. So a narrow-minded person and uh, with jangled nerves, okay, are, are they're, they're basically the result of, of natural causes in a world spoiled by sin. And that's what we're looking at. What caused this kid to do what he did? You know, what we look at with Christianity is it's not only for people with with character flaws that make that make them mean and nasty at times, because you know, people that we work with and whatnot. It's not just for that, okay? It's it's a fatal mistake for us to miss that Christ is for everyone. And we need forgiveness and saving and we need to save niceness. Or I should say we need we all need forgiveness and and saving we all need it and niceness hardly comes to question it, it just does but when we see what happens we understand that this is what is a fallen world i mean you've got young people seeing an older woman you know a grandmother type and he says i'm going to steal your car because he sees her as a victim that he can overcome and uh, don't miss that i mean it's really tragic what happened you know and now you know he's now he's a juvenile, so basically he'll probably have a have an issue there. But he'll probably get away with it at least one time. But carjacking is one crime that's plaguing D.C. And you know, with year-to-date statistics for other crimes showing triple-digit percent increases over this time since 2022. Okay, you've got all kinds of problems. Okay, you got motor vehicle theft surging 111 percent, arsons up 300 percent. Homicides are up 25%. All crimes are up 23%. And the continued de- increase in crime comes as D.C. City Council fights to lessen punishment for criminals. Now, this is interesting. So you got these district attorneys who don't want to put these criminals in jail because of sanctuary city status or whatever. So if it's, if it's, an, illegal, if it's an illegal immigrant that's here illegally that breaks the law, so now they've already broke the law to be here illegally, then they break the law in a violent crime of sort. And instead of holding them for ICE deportation, they're letting them back off because it's a sanctuary city. See, what our citizens don't understand is what constitutes a sanctuary city. People in Philadelphia don't understand that. I'll tell you who does understand it is the victim of a crime. So if you're the victim of a violent crime, so you've got some illegal immigrant that's here illegally who broke the law to be here, who basically is uh, being told to show up to court on his own recognizance. And so he's out there on the streets, trying to feed himself, feed his family, whatever, trying to make a living. He doesn't speak the language, doesn't speak English. And he's going to resort to the only thing he knows how to do, and that's to break the law to feed his family, feed himself. So he resorts to crime, he resorts to criminal activity. This is what they do. This is how they do it. They don't come here with a trade. The only trade some of these people have is the trade that they've brought with them, which is the trade on how to make a living illegally. That's the trade they bring with them in most cases. These aren't welders coming over. These aren't doctors coming over. These aren't pharmaceutical people coming over. Pharmacists, lawyers, these aren't, these aren't teachers, okay, coming over. These aren't professionals that are coming over here, okay? They're not business owners coming over with their fortunes, trying to relocate and make a new fortune here and trying to build for their family. No, that's not, what, that's not who they are. These are people that are coming over that are destitute. They don't have a job. They don't have a career path. They don't have a skill. Many of them were breaking the law in these countries. Were, well, you know, tr- you know, you know, uh, crimes of theft or whatever. Some of them not violent crimes. 
but some of them are violent criminals. Whatever they they're trained, their trade practice is how to make a living while breaking the law. This is what they did in their countries. They come here and they go back to the trade that they know. This is what they do. So they come over here and they break the law and they do their thing and this is how they handle it. And they come over and they and they basically uh you know, they break the law and, and then in a sanctuary city they're released back again. So they broke the law to get here, and the Biden administration in Mallorca says, it's okay. You promised to show up to court on this particular day? Yes, I do. I promise. I swear I'll be here. Great. You take off. We'll relocate you over here in Philadelphia. It's a nice sanctuary city. You'll like it over there. There's a nice hotel we're going to put you in. Taxpayers are going to take care of that for you. And you'll live in there and uh, basically uh, just get yourself acclimated, and we'll see you here in uh, about uh, about a year. Okay. Great, thank you very much. Or whatever, six months or whatever the time period is. And of course, he doesn't show up, but he's out there breaking the law. They arrest him. Now he's broke the law again, practicing the trade that he knows to do. Okay, the trade that he's best at. Okay, or she's best at. They break the law, and the the rule is that they hold him for ICE. They hold him for the immigration customs to, to now deport them. But with a sanctuary city, they don't do that. They let him go again. They don't deport anybody from a sanctuary city. So if they break the law, that is not enough for them to go to be deported. That's not enough in a sanctuary city. Now, granted, if they're caught, they will basically uh, serve whatever punishment here. So if they break the law, they'll basically be charged as a criminal here and whatnot. But if there's if they remove the cash bail, which they've done in these cities, so now they got these people coming over breaking the law, and they're they've taken away cash bails, so now these people are being let go on their own recognizance again. They break the law again, okay. And this is what you see going on over here. That's why you have a continued increase in crime in cities that like like D.C. Okay, because they've lessened the punishment. They have sanctuary cities. They don't deport criminals. And this is what's going on. Okay, they have a soft on crime policy. That's what they're they're enforcing. Okay, so someone should have helped this young this young guy, this young punk understand that when he woke up that morning, not to pick on that that grandma type that's going to be driving your car. Otherwise, he may leave the scene in an ambulance. I think that's. That's a hilarious story, but it's true that when you look at the type of people, like I said to Yipple today, what kind of a person does it take to, to rob a grandma to try to rob her? You know, I'm just wondering, I mean, you know, what kind of a person it takes to do such a thing? But folks, you know, when you look at you look at what's going on right now and you look at what's happening across this country, we see all kinds of problems, okay? We see all kinds of problems. I mean, we see, again, we were talking in the previous show about what's going on with this gain of function right now in Pfizer and now they're rigged now you're figuring out you've got these incompetent people you have incompetent people right now that have been put in positions where well we're best served with competent people so I mean for instance if you're looking at uh, if you're hiring a brain surgeon to operate on your brain you're not going to be you don't want to you don't want to be in a mediocrity looking for a brain surgeon you want the best that you could possibly get you know I had a friend of mine she just went in for eye surgery and and, and she's going to want to make sure that the surgeon that does the operation on her eye is a qualified, competent, capable person, one of the best in his class, if not the best in his class, the best possible available person that could do an eye surgery. Because if mediocrity was important in that hospital, then you would have somebody in charge of that surgery 
it was there for reasons other than skill, other than other than ability. And I don't when I want eye surgery, I want that doctor to have ability to have you know to have that ability and to have that education and 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 not be incompetent. I don't want somebody who's incompetent, somebody who can't do it, who got the job because of a they were a friend of somebody or they were a relative of somebody or some other reason, some reason that they're not they have no control over whatsoever, like a reason like they were born with maybe. Okay, so when you're giving people jobs for reasons that they were born with, not reasons that they achieved through through excelling, I mean, that is the quintessential metaphorical caricature of a trophy generation individual. I can remember back in the 90s when the trophy, the participation trophies came out. I remember saying, you got to be kidding. Trophies used to be given to the winners. They used to be given to the people that achieved on the on the on the game field, if you well, that all changed in the 90s with with the participation trophy so that. When you had some people getting trophies, okay, because of achievements that left others feeling bad because they didn't get a trophy. Okay, well, that's okay when you understand the reason you didn't get a trophy because you didn't achieve what that other person did. But when everybody gets a trophy, then what it does is reduces the value of the trophy. It lessens the value of the trophy. So now what you're dealing with is you're dealing with people now that everybody participates gets a trophy. So really, when you're not identifying and rewarding achievement any longer, you're now identifying and rewarding participation. I mean, think about that. What does it produce? It produces mediocrity. The WNBA is probably another quintessential example of it. This has been around for a quarter of a century. A quarter of a century, the WNBA. And in, in a quarter of a century, they still can't bring more than six or 7,000 fans to a game. They've got TV contracts, and they can't get viewers. ESPN, whatever. The NBA, they're, they're riding on the NBA's name, and the NBA has given them their name. The NBA has given them their leadership to help them figure out how to make money. The owners are being subsidized. The owners are being subsidized. I should say the owners of NBA teams are being subsidized to buy these WNBA so that they can be subsidized because they're losing money. So no millionaire is a millionaire long if they're investing their money and not getting anything returned. So here they are. These owners of the WNBA teams are being forced to hang on to these teams because they're NBA owners. So what they've done is they... They've taken these NBA owners, like the guy that owns that, I think it's the Knicks. He owns the he owns the uh, the new the New York uh, WNBA team as well. So he wants to get rid of the the WNBA team, but he can't because because he's they got leverage on him with it owning the Knicks. So the the NBA says no, you can't do it. So the NBA is leveraging the owners of these WNBA uh, these WNBA clubs to not be able to get rid of the teams. So they're forcing these people to stay in it, and there's no money in it because nobody. Because there's no audience. They're wondering why there's no connection. There's no audience. They don't understand why. They don't understand why women aren't interested in, in lousy basket, you know, as a viewer, okay, as a fan. They don't get it. They, they, they I mean, on, on paper, it all makes sense. I mean, with these women role models and on the, the WNBA showing young girls how to play basketball and how great it would be if they could play basketball as good as them. The problem is they're not playing basketball very good at all. Seeing their baskets, they look like uh, they. I mean, some of them are pretty good triplers or whatnot, but there there are a few good players. But make no mistake about it, it's a boring half court game. Not that half court games are boring because they're not. I remember basketball in the '80s; they were very exciting. But in a very good half court game, you're actually calling plays and you're executing plays and you're making your basket and the passes are crisp and fast. And the plays are exciting to watch. That's exciting half-court basketball. What you're seeing now is unexciting half-court basketball. You're just seeing like it looks like 
a high school. That's what it looks like. You're watching a high school. Not that there's any problem watching old basketball. I mean, if you've got a child that's playing high school basketball and you show up to the game, you're supporting your child's game and the game itself, that you're a fan of the high school basketball, that's a great thing. Okay, but you're also not paying thirty or forty dollars for a ticket. Okay, you're not you're not spending time watching it on 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 ESPN, and you're not fighting the traffic in Madison Square Garden in the car. Okay, these are generally uh, these, these are basketball games that are you know supported by parents. It's a different story. But you, the the quality of the game is a little bit like high school basketball. It really is, and I think anybody can can tell you that, and everyone knows that. Okay, so. This is why they can't sell tickets, and they don't want to compromise. So I was I was watching an interview where uh, she, uh, I think it was Shaquille O'Neal actually was making a suggestion to one of the uh, WNBA players, saying, "Why don't you lower the basket so you see more dunking?" Because I think fans, you got to give fans more of what they want to see, which is a more exciting game. And she said, "Nope, nope, my daughter's going to be able to dunk the ball." You know, she's talking about a generation coming to front. She's talking about another generation from now. There'll be women dunkers dunking on a ten on a ten foot basket, folks. A generation's twenty years, so she would she in her view she wants to maintain the WNBA for another twenty years because she thinks that the evolution of the game in fifty years will actually be that we have five foot ten inch tall women who could dunk the ball on a ten foot basket. What you have right now in the WNBA, you have some women that are running about 6'2", 6'4", okay? But they don't have the elevation when they jump. I mean, I, I'm 6'3". I don't have elevation when I jump. So, I mean, it's one of those things I never did, okay? You know, this is what you have. A 10-foot basket's hard to get to. So, when you get somebody who's 6'3", holding the ball straight up in the air, even with long arms, they're like 7 foot 3 inches tall. That's where the ball is. They still got to get up there two and a half feet so they got to get two and a half feet off the floor just to get to the rim and get the ball over to really be a good dunker you're gonna you got to be able to get off the floor about 36 to 40 inches off the ground so when you see these nba stars that are dunking the ball they're literally going airborne for almost four feet high they're almost they're they're over 40 inches off the court you can see them they soar through the air like like a bird okay you don't see that in the WNBA. There is no soaring through the air. So anyway, I'm just trying to illustrate that in, in, a, in a perspective because that's what a meritocracy and a mediocracy is all about. And so what you have right now in, in, this, in today's world, and this is what you have, and we were talking about this earlier, like I said, is you've got people in charge of things that don't, they don't have a clue as to how the job is to be done. They don't have a clue to promote. We got movies coming out of out of out of Hollywood right now. Nobody wants to see. Disney's losing its shirt right now in profits. They're producing product that nobody wants to watch. Why is that? Because they have people. They are supporting a mediocracy, not a meritocracy. They have people in the big decision processes in those positions who don't know how to make those decisions. They don't know what to do. They don't understand. Okay, what it takes to make a profit. They they don't know how to make the big decisions. They don't get it. So this is what we're watching and this is what we're seeing. And I think it's important that we understand that. Because as, as Americans, we got to understand what it is that drives this country. A, a meritocracy is when the best get 
the positions where those decisions are made that bring the biggest results. I mean, the companies that have the best leaders are the ones that thrive. The countries that have the best leaders are the ones that thrive. When you've got leaders in a meritocracy, okay, that are leading the world right now, it would be leading a free world right now. You wouldn't have people uh, leading NATO right now that are making comments that the Ukraine war was tantamount to a Hollywood movie. I mean, you've got people leading NATO right now across the world. You get the leaders of the free world right now that believe this is comparable to a Hollywood movie, what's going on in the Ukraine. Folks, they're not the ones that are going to be solving for this war. They're not going to be the ones to solve for this or to, to bring about peace in the Ukraine. These are not the people that are capable of doing it. They just can't do it. They can't do it. A pipe can only hold a pipe if it's doing the best it can do. When you put a bunch of pipe-sized containers in these very important, significant positions around the world, and they're never going to be able to do much more than do one or two things at one time. You need, you need real achievers in these positions, smart, intelligent people in these positions. You need people that can see objective truth, that understand that this Ukraine war is not like a Hollywood movie. They need to know that a Hollywood movie is fake and that the Ukraine war is real. This is not like blowing up the Death Star or anything like that, okay? Right? This is, I mean, you've got to understand, okay, that you've got what's going on right now in, in, in the Ukraine is we got people dying in Ukraine. That's what we have. We got people dying in Ukraine. They want to escalate this war. And what they don't realize is that this whole thing could possibly spread beyond the, the regional conflict into a world war. They don't understand that. They don't, they don't, it doesn't matter to them. Because, well, it does matter, but they don't see that as a threat. They're missing all the death and all the destruction. They're missing all of the, they're missing all of the, all of it. I don't think they spent time in a trench for trench warfare. I think part of it's that too. You know, like I said, uh, it was trench warfare that brought on the Spanish flu back in 1918. It was the trench warfare that brought it on. The disease that's promoted in trench warfare is unbelievable. Okay. But again, the saviors of this world that, that are going to bring us to peace in this world right now are not, no, not the people that see this like a Hollywood movie. Don't miss that, folks. Okay. And, I mean, so when they're out there saying, okay, folks, don't worry, okay, uh, but because, honestly, uh, we just determined that there's no, you know, that, that, that there's no misusing of financial aid. So that we've got these people right now making declarations that they know now that the over $100 billion that's been spent over there has not been misused by the Ukrainians. All right, so they see this as a Hollywood movie, and now they also know that there's no mis misuse of funds. I'm amazed that they can see that. I don't know how you can shift from fantasy to, to reality that quickly. I don't know how you can do that. I think it was Grace Kelly that said Hollywood was so amusing to her. She said, you have the holier-than-thou mentality, okay, that lives in, lives in fantasy land, okay, that declares their reality. And the unholier-than-thou, the, the, the unholier-than-the-devil in reality, people. 
That's who they really are. And what you have here is you have, again, you've got people right now that are they're living in their 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 virtual land, their virtual reality. It's not the real reality we all live in. Well, folks, I have to leave it there. Thanks all of our listeners for tuning into our show today, The Watchmen. We'll see you next week on our show at 1 p.m. right here on AM Radio 11 WFYL. So tune in then. Thanks for being here with us today. See you next week on The Watchmen. I'm Clay Reese. Goodbye for now.